Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content ever at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends. Wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Well, my name is Gerald Gilderich. I'm a host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who has 17 Joel Klatt memes in the drafts. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? I am not the uh, person who Joel Klatt mentioned on air as, as tweeting mean things at him uh, on the yearly anniversary. I think I know who it is. but uh, um, I think yeah. it's actually Drew Kelson. <laughs> is it actually him? Who d- I don't think it is, oh, but it would be funny if it was. I think Drew's I, a very nice guy. He is a very nice guy. I, I think... I think uh, the other CB, the Twitter CB, um, not not big CB of the secondary, but um, I think he admitted to it on on Twitter, uh, Mr. Bennett. But um, it, that is neither here nor there. We're going to talk nice things about the Colorado Buffaloes. These are former Big 12 friends. Uh, they've fallen on some hard times. They used to be conference uh contenders potentially but we're gonna we're gonna talk about a really good season for them coming out of nowhere i don't think anyone expected this to find themselves in a bowl so they're happy to be here texas should be happy to have an opponent that for the first time they're not an underdog which actually may be a problem for a tom herman team but this is a coach that uh, is the nominee for the eddie robinson coach of the year so herman will have something to prove no one smarter coach Coach Tom Herman, so he still has that chip that he can put on his shoulder. I was a little worried doing my research about this that he wouldn't be able to find that um, and that the players wouldn't feel the proper dogs, but uh, I think they can I think they can figure something out. Yeah, so we've got uh, in our tradition some friends over uh, from Ralphie Report. Uh, Jack and Sam are joining us today to talk Colorado. Going to have a good conversation with them. We'll obviously uh, get a little weird at the end because that's what we do. We'll jump into after that to the burnt orange lenses. And then, as always, on Thursday, we'll close you out with the Godzilla-tron. So it's a quick turnaround on our preview show. We normally like to have a little bit more breathing space. But you know what? Um, when so Texas- Tom Herman. Well, yeah, so it's Tom Herman. But, uh, you know, when uh, when your last game gets canceled because of COVID, because the team officially gave up on the season, um, we have quick turnarounds to bowl games. So we are here to talk some Alamo Bowl with our friends Samuel and Jack from the Ralphie Report on here to help us preview the Colorado Buffaloes. Fellas, how you doing tonight? Great, man. Our last game was canceled, not because we weren't trying to play, but because Oregon uh, had to move up to the Pac-12 championship, and we saw how that turned out. So, same here. We were idle. <laughs> that was the weirdest situation that I think I've ever seen. Is like what, what was the tweet that they basically parked a bus halfway between locations just in case? Was that was that the was that real? Was that trolling? Like, I need I need some info. I no, think that, that was, was real. real. Wow. Yeah. They don't know yeah. exactly where it was, but basically... I think yeah, it was like St. George, Utah. Is that true? Okay. I knew <laughs> I it was somewhere so. around there, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, I heard it's so, beautiful. Yeah, the Buffs were in LA just in case USC wasn't able to play in the Pac-12 championship. And that the Buffs would have had to fill in last minute to go play Oregon. Really weird situation. The Pac-12 was clearly no leadership, no structure. You know, it's interesting. USC... Um, 
if CU played USC when it was scheduled, it was possible that CU would be in that championship game. But then they had COVID issues, so they had to cancel. Um, and then a strange turn of events, they they were completely healthy in the Pac-12 championship game, which means that CU had to cancel another game. So no matter if USC is healthy or sick, uh, CU can't play. So, yeah, now we're excited to, to actually play a football game. <laughs> so it seems like uh, USC has kind of like – in the Pac-12, what everybody feels about Texas and the Big 12 is just like can't kind of can't stand them a little bit. Is that is that the vibe I'm catching here? I personally can't stand them because CU can't beat them. They they're all time 0 and 14, I think, against USC. So um, that's 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 the main reason why I don't like them. It's because they can't lose. Yeah, we have a Man. good basketball rivalry with them because our coaches hate each other. But otherwise, I don't think we've been in the Pac-12 long enough to really hate USC for their dominance because we didn't come in when they were hot but like the other teams of pack the former pack 10 surely hate them for those reasons we just don't know yet but sam isn't that why it's more annoying because it they aren't that good and yet they still can't lose to see you i feel like that's why it's annoying the most but well i mean yeah 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 yeah. we 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 hate them because (laughs) we can't beat them but that's the only reason really fair well speaking of can't beat uh i think we should probably jump in and take a look at um the game that we're looking ahead to, obviously, you will be coming to the great state of Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Dear listeners, if you weren't uh, paying attention this weekend on Sunday, it was announced the Alamo Bowl will be the University of Texas Longhorns versus the, the Colorado uh, Buffalo. And is Ralphie traveling? Do we know that? Is Ralphie coming to? We're actually in between years on Ralphie. They just went from uh... Ralphie 5 and they had her retire. And they were supposed to have a Ralphie 6, but because uh, fans haven't been able to attend. Gotcha. They just they're okay, transitioning so into the next the, one. The two best live mascots. I mean, that's what I was going to say, really. The two best live mascots in, in college football, Bevo and Ralphie. But obviously, we now know Bevo by default will reign supreme in the bowl. We're here to talk <laughs> uh, to our friends from Ralphie Report about whether or not that will be the same for the University of Texas football team. So, Gerald, why don't you get us started? We want to dive in and, and take a look at the football side of things. Yeah, so... You know, when you look at Colorado, and again, this is outside looking in, I'll be really honest with you, I've got two kids, so I normally don't stay up late enough to catch many Pac-12 games, just going to be really honest <laughs> with you at this point in my life. Um, but they, they look like a team that like is helmed predominantly by their offense. The offense kind of sets the pace um, for, for better or for worse, I guess, if you look at like the Utah game, when you look at how that turned out. But you know they've got they've got Sam Neuer, a quarterback who has been good in spots, been bad in spots. So what like what is the expectation for the passing game? You've got uh, Dimitri Stanley. You've got kind of a trio. You've got uh, another Chenault, which uh, Lavishka is, is currently on my fantasy team, and thank you for that. Uh, and then Brendan Rice is kind of the, the triple headed monster. It's like what's the what's the expectation? What is what does CU bring to the table as far as uh, offensively and, and and in the through the air specifically? Uh, well, and yeah, it's a good question. It's been off and on. So, um, Sam Neuer, who you mentioned, it was a <laughs> quarterback converted safety last year, converted quarterback this year, uh, after grad transferring. So, um, we Where didn't know we? what to expect. Uh, yeah, it definitely, he, he put his name in the portal. They convinced him back and he won the job outright. Um, and at, early in the beginning of the season, it, it was easy to see why. So, as you mentioned, the, the team was basically governed by its offense, and they were really rolling, especially early on. So, um, you know, it's going to be it's, – it's tough that he likes to hit the middle of the field a lot, and that's been hard these past few weeks, especially with the absence of a few tight ends. Um, 
due to injury and, and some other pacing issues. So it's really slowed down recently, but um, they like tempo a little bit and they like to hit the middle of the field as, as often as they can. Um, and, and Sam Neuer hits some of those receivers on, on slants like Demetri Stanley. But recently it's, it's just been, it's been tough sledding through the air. I think Sam, I don't know if you have anything to add there. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Neuer, he just, he sprained his AC joint in his right shoulder. So he's going to be spending the next couple of weeks recovering. So we really don't know how healthy he's going to be because he just got hurt against Utah. Um, but yeah, this, I think the offense really relies on Jarek Broussard getting out in space on runs because we're, we're pretty dependent on those long runs. He had, I think three runs over 50 yards when we beat Arizona and we needed all of those runs. So it's, it's a little sketchy how big play dependent the CU offense is because we can't really sustain long drives. And you mentioned, you know, that you have the kind of Joel Lanning, if you remember the Iowa state linebacker turned quarterback, uh, the, the inverse, but what that says is he's averaging an interception a game is that at least, you know, you have a last line of defense, sure tackler in the event, if Texas uh, secondary is able to get their hands on one of those passes. And, you know, that's, that's not for nothing uh, whatsoever. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he lights people up. He's a, he loves to run and he's really physical and, Every once in a while, a defensive back thinks that he's going to slide, and then he gets popped in the shoulder, like popped by Sam Neuer. We 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 like quarterbacks named Sam who aren't afraid to lower their shoulder, right? That's that's a big thing on this podcast. Uh, so so I think we'll we'll enjoy both sides of the ball. See, that was me I, in I sixth might, grade too, so I fit the billing. I might be wrong. He, I think he's still the only quarterback to be ejected from a game for targeting as a quarterback uh, in, in twenty eighteen <laughs> against Washington State. Sam Noir. I there didn't know that happened. That's amazing. Yeah, he yes, he on a an interception return as you mentioned. He, um, <laughs> it, I believe the man retired from football after that game. So um, yeah, he, he plays the wood. <laughs> For a second, I really thought you were going with the only guy to take his skate off and try to stab someone. Like that's the sound that you were going <laughs> like the, uh, uh, <laughs> the 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 Billy Matt or the uh, Happy Gilmore there. But yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's intense. Okay, so we know. Uh, if, if one of our secondary gets it, you know, we should be sliding when we get to the quarterback on our run back. Um, all right. So what about, what about, uh, we talked QB, what about running back? It looks like Derek Broussard is, is the guy. Um, and he's, he's doing pretty well. And I mean, and remember stats as we give them here, dear listeners, um, is across five games, uh, Colorado, everyone played a shortened season, Colorado, as we've mentioned a little bit here has only played five. Um, so 813 yards in five games is a real good clip three touchdowns uh, and about 130 attempts. So having a, a pretty solid season. What, what are the thoughts there with uh, the running game and, and Jared Broussard? Yeah, Sam, Sam mentioned a little bit. He is definitely uh, the best long run running back CU's had in, in quite some time. So he came out of really nowhere. The starting running back from last year, Alex Fondo, has had some hip problems and he's been out all year. Um Jarek Broussard coming off two ACL injuries has really not seen the field at all. And he started yeah. against UCLA. He wasn't even on the preseason depth chart. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, he basically, he's 5'9", he's undersized, um, but he, he runs like he isn't. And um, that might remind some people of Philip Lindsay, who's now the Broncos co-starter or whatever, um, who played it, who started CU as well. It, it's, it's a really fun story to watch. Um, and more importantly, he's just really good at running the football. So, I think he's averaging about 180 yards in conference games because, like you mentioned, even CU's short, shortened season, they've had quite a few cancellations on them despite um, keeping clean the COVID so far this yeah. year. So 
He's second in the country in rushing yards per game after Jarrett Patterson at Buffalo. And uh, this was against Utah. He had 84 yards, but it was his first time under 100 yards the whole season. Fantastic. Interestingly um, enough, I, I believe he also only has – he has zero touchdowns after the first week, I think, which is also yeah, yeah. a little weird. <laughs> he had three against UCLA, and that's it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So a, a running game like that, means that your offensive line is at least solid, right? I think Colorado brought back two starters from a year ago, and, and they performed really well. I mean, again, a guy hitting 800 yards in five games is, is quite impressive. So, um, you know, what 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 does the offensive line look like for, for Colorado? Again, they bring back two starters from last year. Again, at this point, it doesn't really matter if they were starters from last year because, well, we're five games into the season. But I just talked to us a little bit about uh, – that about the offensive line unit because that's going to be, um, I think, a point of contention because Texas's defensive line is one of its strengths. So we want similarly to the running back position, we had no idea what to expect from the offensive line. Um, Mel Tucker, when he left, took the offensive line coach with him, and like you said, there was three graduating or um, three departing starters. So he uh, made the unorthodox move of hiring a high school athletic director as their offensive line coach, who and he was selling. Day. He was selling like those like leverage pads on the side. Yeah, yeah, that's how that's how he first came to Boulder, I believe, and that's part of the connection. Is he sold that blocking system to the current of <laughs> the line coach, who then left, Amazing. and then CU hired the guy that sold the system. But anyways, yeah, he's a uh, old. He used to he coached at University of Louisiana Lafayette way back when, um, and we had no idea what to expect. Turns out that he's actually solid. So um, despite having only two returning starters, despite having a fourth-string center for three games and uh, shuffling guards, really they've done a good job pushing pushing the middle of the line. I would say that the tackles, despite both of them being in the program longer, are a little more suspect. Um, really, the, the, tackles? the strength. Well, I was. I mean, Sherman's you don't think Will solid. Sherman is good? I think he's good. I just it's think that. I love this. Well, I I guess yeah. You're seeing you're seeing the magic of work here. Um, I would say that yeah. I would say that they're better at least pulling Sherman inside and getting some of the power run game concepts. I think that pass blocking is less of a sure thing. Would you agree, I agree so? with that? Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. So that's yeah, where so I was, that's where I was trying to go with that. It's definitely power running game. And in, in so Texas is a repeat returner to the the uh, Alamo Bowl. Last year they played uh, Utah, who brought a really good squad, and I think similarly um, looked to establish a running game with a really talented uh, one of the better running backs in the country last year. Texas was able to implement a game plan to slow down the running game. So I think uh, that's what Texas will be looking to do. Obviously, Colorado looking to reverse that trend to find their success. If you guys um, can slow down Utah, you can slow down Colorado. <laughs> To be honest, yeah. Uh, Tom Herman loves a bowl game. But typically, as we joked off of the top, Tom Herman likes to take a good month, really get there, you know, kind of sit down in the tub, marinate on it, get that game plan going. So this is a, a pretty quick turnaround. It's almost like a regular season, which he's not quite as good at. So uh, who knows if the if the uh, Herman bowl magic will will give the, the perfect game plan to shut it down. But they have had some success, obviously, against some pretty good uh, Big 12 runners and, and Brees Hall and and uh, Chuba Hubbard and, and uh, the likes of those. West Virginia had a good running attack as well. So, um, you know, I think we, we kind of understand the matchup, right, Joe? I would say we understand the offensive line versus the defensive line. Texas linebackers needing to be in there. Texas secondary looking to be opportunistic against uh, a quarterback who can be a who used to be one cold. of them. It's, uh, that's right, and knows how they think. Um, but on the other side of the ball, 
Uh, all that I really know about the Colorado defense is that the best named player and probably the best player on the team, Nate Landman, which again, sounds like a guy who works for an oil company in Denver, Colorado. Um, Nate Landman, uh, team leading 53 tackles is out with an ACL injury. So what does the state of this CU defense look like uh, coming into the bowl game? Yeah, he, he, he was the heart and soul of that team before. Yeah, he, he got hurt against Utah. And really, CU had been winning their last two or three games by the strength of their defense, by the bend-don't-break type of thing, uh, getting to the quarterback, causing some turnovers. And then their run defense was stellar until he tore his Achilles. And everything fell apart against Utah, and Ty Jordan just ran all over CU. And so that, that sucked. But without him in the inside, the defensive line is still pretty strong. Uh, Terrence Lang and Mustafa Johnson are really, really good. Uh, so they're they're going to cause some trouble. You mentioning Ty Jordan is a triggering for me. That's exactly where my I'm just going to be honest with you. He was he was coming to Texas. Flipped. He flipped. Yeah, he flipped to Utah like right before signing day. And I'm super triggered by that. Now, um, go ahead. he's really good. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say Texas flips have hurt CU recently. I think Eno Benjamin was the first one that just completely gashed CU, and then Ty Jordan after. It's it's tough. You guys need to keep those dudes. <laughs> Those are two names. The Eno Benjamin thing is weird because they, if you were in the BLN Slack channel, our recruiting guy, Daniel Seahorn, would be singing the praises of Eno Benjamin, and he still doesn't know why Texas went the way that they went instead of Eno Benjamin. But, yeah, that's that's two guys that I'm sorry that we sent to the Pac-12. It's, it's all t- – <laughs> t- that, that's the central theme. It's Texas's fault. It's just Texas's fault. So, Well, we don't have to talk about all the quarterbacks who skip Texas. <laughs> we, talked, we talk about that in our Tuesday show. Uh, that Yeah, um, we're just sending them all over there. Got – Cam Rising and now Jaquin and Jackson and you know what Charlie Brewer is even from Austin. He's not a he's not a Texas player, but he's from Austin. So that's three for you. Dad, Grandpa, and Uncle all played at Texas. So that's basically what we're calling. You know, the announcers did it when Texas played Baylor, calling him a, a, a Longhorn legacy at the very least. So yeah, pretty much the uh, it used to be you go to SMU to finish if you play it. Texas. If you don't play at Texas, you just go to the Pac-12, and it looks like Utah right now is the landing spot du jour. Um, so you mentioned getting after the quarterback. I think uh, Carson Wells is is the guy there. Is there any other names uh, Texas fans should be should be looking out for? None that Sam didn't mention. I think Carson Wells is a big is definitely the the leading sack getter. He's he's I think first in the country in tackles for loss per game, um, which is hard with the sample size of five. But he's definitely. <laughs> active um past that it's going to be on the defensive line for the most part so terrence lang and, and mustafa johnson will move around he'll disrupt um but really those are the three main guys that that will that will push the pocket now that landman who was also leading the team in sacks is uh is out for the year oh that I said mean, the last time carson wells was in texas he got killed at the end of no country for old men so i'm not really sure Wait, is there a character named Carson Wells in No Country for Old Men? Yeah, it's, uh, what's his face, his name? Woody Harrelson's character. Okay, well, spoiler alert for that 13-year-old movie. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Noted. No, it's good. It's good. That's, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a fantastic poll. That's, uh, that has just been highlighted for my in-game tweets. Kyle and I saw that movie, I think, my senior year at Texas, because that's how old we are. Um, so, it's the perfect movie. Yes, no arguments here. 
All right. So, I mean, uh, uh, you, you mentioned it, Chenault, and obviously you're replacing him when his brother's on the team, but you also replaced Mel Tucker. And just since we have you on here, I'll say this. I feel like everything I heard and read was that it was going to be a pretty tough transition post-Mel Tucker and losing, you know, your best offensive player in, in a long time. And Chenault, um, you know, a lot of people had you all middle to lower, probably Pac-12 in the, you know, 100 range of the, the preseason kind of rankings are at least 80 to 90. So I, I think outside looking in would call this an over uh, achieving, um, you know, type of season. And when that happens, you look at the coach, right? I think Texas fans have thought Tom Herman underachieved. You're in the opposite situation with Carl Durrell. Uh, how has the coaching been? I mean, to, from an outsider, it looks like it's been phenomenal. Are, are fans and, and people covering the team pretty, pretty thrilled with that? Uh, yes. So the answer is yes. And also surprised, I think, um, Mm. like you said, I don't, the expectations weren't high. So you just picked last in the Pac-12 South and that's to be fair, par for the course since he was doing the Pac-12, but, um, it was hard. He got, he was hired about the second week in November or February. And then, you know, the second week of March, everything went to hell. So he really only had three weeks to hire staff, know the players they use currently, coaching uh in person before everything kind of had to scatter so really hard situation for him to come in and not only that it was a pretty public flirtation with some other candidates that didn't say yes to see you so he was coming in knowing he wasn't the top choice and he's he's done a great job of making this team achieve above what people expected and i believe what they also expected from themselves um like you said best offensive weapon off the nfl starting quarterback gone starting running back out for the year um, there really wasn't a lot of returning production on the offensive side and the defensive side, you know, they weren't that good last year. So coming in, making sure they bowed their backs and, and, and finish games, um, with a winning record has been, it's been a nice breath of fresh air. I, I'll let Sam have add some thoughts at the end here, but basically I, I said this recently to a, a Arizona writer that asked, it's interesting. It's like, I, I don't know how to react to a, a competent coaching staff in all phases of the game because it, it hasn't happened at CU for like, I don't know, <laughs> 10 years. So it, it's nice to be like, oh, yeah, he had some gripes, but it seems like he manages players well and he manages minutes well. And it looks like CU is always in a position to win. So um, it's it's been a, a nice surprise, I think, this year. I wish it translated better on the recruiting trail, but I'll take the wins. One, yeah, I think that. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, one usually turns into the other is, is what it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, we, we thought that we'd get a really good recruiting class after the 2016 year where we came out of nowhere to make the Alamo Bowl. That didn't really happen too much. But, um, yeah, so we're very excited with how well Carl Durrell has been. Uh, we are we're a bit surprised, to say the least. I think our over-under in seven games was 1.5 wins, and we didn't know which one it would be. Uh, <laughs> So that was it was a little rough, uh, but we've had some standout performances, like surprise performances up and down the roster. Like we thought, for instance, Isaiah Lewis, a safety, was going to be just a depth piece or a special teamer, and he's turned into the best player in the secondary. And so it was just like all kinds of stuff. Like Jared Broussard, not even on the depth chart, almost had a thousand yards in a six games. Um, so we're really happy with how it's going. It's also funny to see Mel Tucker go to Michigan State and have that team just at the bottom of the Big Ten, just getting blown out left and right. He just lost his top three recruits right before signing day, stuff like that. Yeah. 
I sure you, I'm sure you take no pleasure in that. Um, you know, ever seeing, you never want your ex to, to do better than you. Uh, I, I understand how that goes for sure. Nebraska's a lot bottom of the big 10 and Mel Tucker is, um, I don't know. He might be missing the friendly confines of Boulder a little bit. It's, it's been fun watching some big 10 football this year. <laughs> I, I feel like you too, by the way, um, I'm loving your personality. I feel like you're going to be perfectly suited for our last segment here. We've talked football. That's good. People like that. But what they really come to this podcast for is the, uh, the sports and entertainment side of the, uh, of the world. Right. So, um, you know, I'm just going to give a quick recap, and then we'll jump into this section. This is an all-time series. It hasn't happened since Colorado uh, left the Big 12. The last two matchups, 38-14, to 14, weirdly, in both 08 and 09, same score. Um, they've met twice in a Big 12 championship game, so postseason, technically, uh, games. Colorado won one of those. Um, pretty close. I won't bring up what the score was of the, the, the last time they, they, they met in the postseason. Um, we'll just say a lot to a little, right? I think you that's fair. It. You can say it. 70 to three. Um, so I, I, I think that's fair. <laughs> Poor Joel Klatt himself uh, said on air when he was covering a Texas game that uh, someone tweets that at him every year on the anniversary, which is just savage. And I, and I feel bad. So we are going to keep it a little more light, light and a little more civil. And, and we've been calling this segment when we've had guests on in our season previews for the regular season, hook them. Um, I, I, I hate that name, but we'll, we'll keep it one more time. We could change it next year. Um, so, so now to hook them, um, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and start with the place that I, I most um, I most set up, right? So I just told you 70-3. to three. But do you know, in 05, they played in the regular season as well. Your best guess, I'll let you each guess, and then I'll tell you the correct answer. The total point spread in two games in 2005 between Colorado University and the University of Texas in their two. Remember, only two games that were played. And we can start, let's start with Sam. Man, I have no idea. Was that was not the year that we played in the Big Ten, Big Twelve Championship, was it? Yeah. So in, in oh, 2005, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. we played twice in the Big Twelve Championship as well as in the regular season. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with 96 point difference. Okay. okay. In All in right. favor of Texas, obviously. And Jack, you have the advantage of going second, and I'll now tell you this is Price is Right ruled. So uh, 96 is the bar set. If you choose to go over, under, whatever, but uh, that that is that is the score set by Sam. What are you thinking? Well, I'm I'm looking back at I'm I'm remembering back. I'm trying to think. So Colorado was the the chosen bad team out of that Big Twelve North division, which was not a good division. <laughs> that the Big Twelve South had way more talent. Oh, geez, I think Colorado was seven and six at the end of that year, and they weren't great. I'm pretty sure they lost like five straight games down the season uh yeah and I, I know that missouri game was just truly awful that year oh man i'm gonna guess oh. yeah but it was not pretty man it, i'm trying to remember like that, that was the last of the gary barnett years and that was that was when they had we were waning on talent i'm gonna guess 73 that's a 67 point spread i don't think they lose by i'm gonna guess uh 80 85 85 all right so because i added the caveat of the prices right rules they pretty much split it it is 92. It is a total of 112 to 20 wow. over two games. And so uh, yes. due to the prices rules caveat, J- uh, Jack technically takes that over Sam. Uh, well played from both of you, though. And again, to our fans, just remember that's 92 points in the same year in two games only. <laughs> now, much like our prediction contest, Kyle changed the rules midstream <laughs> to to heavily favor one or one of the other candidates. It's fine. It's totally fine. Something that I 
something that I carried throughout our entire season preview is a wrestling theme. And so I found a random connection to every school on our schedule. It was easier for CU. Big Bad Vader, if you're a 90s wrestling fan, is a Colorado Buffalo. If you don't know who Big Bad Vader is, Google him. Uh, But he's from Colorado. He's He's a CU Buffalo. So if there was one player on the Colorado football team that has a future in professional wrestling, what would their ring name be? And bonus question, what would their finisher be called? I know who it would be, but I don't know what he would be called. Start. We'll start there. We can workshop it. I think it would have to be Jalen Sami. He's, <laughs> you would love yeah, him. He came to guess. campus as a true freshman who weighed like 390 pounds. Good, good. And he had to six, slim down. Six, now, six. Yeah, now he's 6'6", 325, sophomore. Just mean as hell. Really good. You're going to see him a lot. Where's number 99? High school, high school volleyball player. So he has oh. some limberness. He's got the leaps. Yeah. It's amazing. amazing. The rare big boy high flyer. I love it. He plays the ukulele and the piano. Any chance What's we the... get him on the podcast? He sounds incredible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys would also I'm like... i uh, name. We have a, an yeah. offensive lineman who's an opera singer. Uh, but he just he just like broke his leg a couple games ago, so you won't see him. But Chance Lytle is cool as hell. So they so they would probably be a tag team, and I'll just throw out the name Musical Mayhem for them is what I'd probably Ooh. throw out there. Oh, <laughs> I like good. that. That's, that's good. Cool. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I wonder if you, I, you could do the harmonizers if you do harm in all caps, like they're gonna do. You oh, harm, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, now that's, that's even better. I'm just saying right here, I know Vince McMahon listens to this podcast, longtime listener. You might have just found a new – I'm completely lying. That's not true. Uh, you might have just found a new writer. Uh, again, wrestling's completely real, um, but they do, for whatever reason, have writers. So uh, Jack Barsh, I believe. Uh, so Vince McMahon, hit him up uh, on, on Twitter. You got a job offer coming your way. That's fantastic. That's probably the best set of responses we've – had all year oftentimes you know people can get the guy but i mean we we had the built-in naming rights that's i'm i'm unbelievably impressed with with your your quick pull out there so let me ask I'm you my, next thing. my lawyer we're already good we're, we're, i'm getting it ready <laughs> to go right now i love it man that's fantastic so uh, my next question and this is one that literally has just entertained me since it was announced in i think october have each of you placed your school mandated bets on the on colorado buffaloes with uh, official sponsor points bet that's right dear listeners the colorado athletic department is officially partnered and sponsored by points bet tell us uh more. sam i don't know i don't know if you have um take done your duty as a buffalo and gamble <laughs> on on college sports but um i can't, I know I I can't have... gamble okay well there you it's go haram. <laughs> okay see these are these it sounds like you're not fulfilling your points bet duty which is fine i'll, I'll do enough for both of us <laughs> <laughs> um, the answer is yes, I have. I have used points bet among other things. Um, and I, I thank the great state of Colorado for legalizing sports gambling. It's, been a, it's been a pretty good year. Talk to us about how that feels. Cause like, I thought it was unbelievable when Texas got alcohol in our stadium, like, wow, beer and college football in the stadium, but they went entirely another, another level and just sponsored with a, with a betting company. Like it, it, was that mind blowing when you heard that news? You know, Rick George, uh, who's the athletic director for Colorado, he came in from biz- sports business background um, after okay. serving at, you know, 
I guess he was hired at Colorado's recruiting coordinator in the early 90s. Went to he actually ran the Texas Rangers on the business side for a while. Comes back to Colorado, and um, he's always done things to try to make. Yeah, it, it made sense to be like, yeah, he's going to try to make some money back after after the pandemic basically forced everything to close. I think what you said is interesting, though. What I want to see is next year when this still happens and the synergy between drinking at stadiums and also having an official uh, sports gambling sponsor at stadiums. I want to see if they can just say like, hey, have two beers and also a free bet because, boy, howdy, there's going to be some easy losers in that group. Just a sports book in the stadium. It feels like the right move, right? I hope so. That would be great. So we, we went off the rails a little bit. So um, another another fact that I didn't know I found out via Googling, Don Cheadle went to high school in Colorado, graduated from high school in Colorado. So on the spot. Where did he oh, go? Denver East Angels. What? Denver East High School. Oh, that's cool. The, yeah, the largest high school in DPS. Go Angels. Anyway, go. Go ahead. <laughs> so yeah, so Don Cheadle, Denver, Colorado. So my question to you, I host another podcast that's about nerd stuff. So I need to know. Gun to your head. Favorite Avenger. Real quick. Go. Uh, well, not Hawkeye. Um, if we're talking <laughs> yeah. original cast, if we're talking like OGs, it's going to be Thor or Spider-Man. Because Spider-Man, I think, was in the original Avengers comic book run, if I remember right. Is Zendaya um, an Avenger? Is who? Zendaya? Does she count? Oh, from the Spider-Man movie? Yeah. <laughs> who does she play again? I don't know. The, she's, she's, she's the not Mary Jane Mary Jane of that Spider-Man universe. I'll pick her. No, it doesn't count. Sam, oh my god. Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm going I'm going Spider-Man. Um and if we're if we're expanding the Avengers slots, oh jeez, Louise, I don't know. That's a tough one. Um uh, probably Iron Man second. I like I like a good Tony Stark. It's fair. It's fair. I, I enjoyed the last I enjoyed the last Spider-Man movie. Who didn't? I All right. that's some good insight, Sam. That's <laughs> no, also, we're, we're, I love that y'all I, are learning about each other. Uh, Can I tell you something about Big Big Vader? Yes, he was second team. He was second team All American as a CU lineman. I didn't know that. He was pretty good. He 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 won won an an NFL championship ring. He was on the IR, but what was drafted, I think, in the third round, and and won a NFL championship before going into the WWE. So, '90s wrestling. That's that's. I don't watch it anymore, but that's my wheelhouse. Is Zendaya also your favorite '90s wrestler, Sam? Was Rey Mysterio active in the 90s? Let's call it early 2000s, but maybe late 90s. We'll, we'll, we'll loop him in. Okay, because that's my guy. Him and the great Kali. Those are my guys. Allowable. I'll like. We'll let. We'll let. We'll let it work. Fair. We'll let it work. So, so fellas, I, we're having fun, but we do. We know you've got lives, and so we're gonna close it out. But man, if people want to find more of what you've got going on, where can they find you, folks, on the internet? We 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 do have a podcast together. It's called At the Buzzer, which we do whenever we feel like. I guess. Um, and that would be on RalphieReport.com. Um, I'm not giving out my personal Twitter account because I, uh, you, you guys don't want to see that. A, a Zendaya Stan account. We got it. It's all, it's all, just... No, that's one of his other alt accounts. He's got like 50 of them. Um, Burners I, Yeah, similarly, Ralphie Report is where you can find anything that I, I do that's worth doing. Um, and then my Twitter is it's easy. It's just my name, Jack Barsh. Um, B-A-R-S-C-H. It's very German. It means perch the fish. It's the last name for you. So um, it's, it's not complicated. It's going to all be about CU basketball. And then at times I'll talk about CU football. But that's where you can find anything that I write. I do have a question for you guys. Yeah. 
if someone told you that Texas was going to be playing Colorado in a bowl game before the season, what would you have thought had happened? You want to go first, Gerald, or me? You you can go first, Kyle. You, you can go I, first, I would Kyle. assume that uh, COVID took down half the team. Um, they medically retired half of the team, one side, offense or defense, either way. Um, and half our coaching staff, you know, was fired because of it. Um, I like I said, I didn't have a lot of thoughts for Colorado in the preseason. I, I read some reviews early on just scanning the Pac-12 and, and again, saw them predicted in the lower half. So again, I would have assumed, um, you know, either really bad on Texas or just the the most underrated team of all time who, who came out and had an overachieving year. So there you go. Maybe the latter, in fact, is true, but I would have thought the, the, the former. When did they make the announcement that basically anybody that wanted to could play in a bowl game this year? When did that happen? Was, was that before preseason? Yeah. Pac-12 still does not have that rule. You have to be over yeah, the Pac-12. To to <laughs> so I think I would have tragic Lime Scooter accident with Sam Ellinger riding around campus probably would be the first thing that I saw. Uh, would be my indication that Sam Ellinger hurt himself on the Lime Scooters, which, by the way, City of Austin, if you finally want to get rid of the Lime Scooters, have a football player get hurt. Happened to the baseball team. They were not as good as they could have been because that guy got hurt. So if you want to get rid of the Lime Scooter, City of Austin, give the football players free passes. One of them will get hurt, and those things will be gone in 12 hours. Now, I might be misreading the room, but is another way to get rid of the Lime Scooter is to say that Tom Herman officially endorses them? (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, as as our athletic director said in the softest worded press release ever, Tom Herman is still our football coach. Um, which is a ringing endorsement for anybody's job security moving forward. But Tom Herman is our football coach. Um, that's all I can say. That's really all I can say about the coaching situation at Texas. Being the coach at the University of Texas comes with certain media obligations. We're very used to our coaches endorsing many products. For Mac Brown, it was the beautiful Casitas that he was selling uh, or advertising on the University of Texas Men's Golf Club. Um, but we are we are very uh, used to and have, have learned to tune out our coaches shilling uh, various things. So uh, I, I don't know if that would have moved the needle enough, the, the Lime Scooter endorsement. But I, I, I like where your head's at. I was following along a little bit on some of that uh, drama, and it, it, this was the wrong time for Chris Del Conte to have his name shortened because every time I saw a CDC talk about the Texas coaching search, I was thinking, you have so much more important things to be talking about right now, Center of Disease and Control. What are you doing? I mean, they could have just gone to any Texas message board, and that would have been appropriate people to, to handle what's going on on most of those things most days of the week. Both are ridden with the virus, with a virus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I will, I will, I will close this out there. We will, we will let y'all get out of here. I wish you luck in the bowls to come. Uh, the, the, the final note. I will give two notes. I will give two notes. I love Chauncey Billups, the greatest Colorado Buffalo in my mind. I just want to remind you when Chauncey Billups daughter chose to play soccer, she chose the University of Texas. Second, the last time that the Colorado Buffaloes met the University of Texas Longhorns in a bowl game, it was something called the Blue Bonnet Bowl in 1975, and the University of Texas won that game. So I'm on record as predicting Texas have won the last uh, bowl game and the last time they played in a Big 12 championship game. So I'm predicting 
Texas with the win. Let's let's give each of uh, the predictions from our guests here, and then we will uh, we will usher you uh, offline out the door. We'll start with Jack this time, since Sam had to go first last time. What are your predictions? Well, um, you know, I don't think that Colorado is a great team. Um, I don't, but the, I don't know. What's the saying? Good teams win, great teams cover. I, I think in that way, Colorado will be a great team. I don't think they'll win. I do think they'll cover the twelve point spread. So I'm going to bet a, uh, let's do a seven, seven point Texas victory. I'm going to go 34, 27. Nice. Spoken like a true points better. Uh, Thank you. I think yep. another, another million dollars to Colorado with that. With that reference. Yeah. I don't see how CU wins unless Texas is sleeping, which would be really nice. If all those opt outs really hurt you guys, maybe Sam Ellinger got a little, that scooter hurt injury. <laughs> I think it's 31, 20 Texas wins. But CU does cover that spread. Yeah, they'll cover. Awesome. Love it. Well, fellas, I really appreciate you guys uh, taking some time out to hang out with us. We'll end on something we can all agree on. Eric Bieniemy needs to be a head football coach somewhere within the Thank next you. 12 months. Boy, I, I, who lives in Houston out of you two again? Someone, Someone's a Houston Texans fan or has I, the opportunity to be a I, Houston Texans. How do you not hire Eric Bieniemy, man? Because the the my wife, the most diehard Houston Texans fan, cringes every time I, I mention, oh, the Texans general manager did, said, announced. Anytime that those words come out, it's the wrong thing. <laughs> oh, um, he's a cartoon villain. And the thing is, it wasn't just Rick Smith. They keep replacing him, and each guy is just as inept. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the Texans are, you know, they, they are comically bad. With great players, they are comically um, just drill their, their you know, could be great team into the ground. It is, you know, it's, it, it, this is going to be my final note, I guess. The NFL team that Chris Brown, former running back Colorado, who ran all over the Tex, Texas Longhorns in 2001 Big 12 championship game, uh, he played for the Houston Texans and, in fact, started a few games. There you go. Near the end of his I, career. I have a, so that, that's I have my a football card from them. <laughs> Love it. Uh, awesome, fellas. Thank you so much, man. We, uh, we look forward to uh, look forward to the game, and we'll, uh, we'll hopefully hear from you again. Yeah, thanks for having us. Tons of fun. Yeah, thanks, guys. Absolutely. All right. Now let's take a look at the world through some burnt orange lenses here. Take a look at some Longhorns in the NFL. We'll start with our, our Longhorn North, our Seattle Seahawks, with a uh, good win. We're going to actually, this week, Gerald, I'm, I'm pretty pleased to say start and end with uh, like 42 a little wins from our two most Longhorn populated teams in the league. Of course, we'll start, uh, we'll get this one up north with the Seattle Seahawks, 40-14 to 14 over the Jags. And that one, uh, Quandre Diggs, four tackles, one PBU. Puna Ford does what he does, just being there in the middle, stuffing things up, mucking it up. Uh, four tackles, one tackle for a loss. Gerald, you got any thoughts about Puna? He got snubbed. Puna got snubbed. Snubbed for the Pro Bowl. Uh, we, we we hate that for him. The other, the other player we mentioned is... Been snubbed brutally, awfully, terribly. Mike Dixon. I'm going to get nominated for my Longhorn of the Week. Maybe I haven't been doing that enough, and that's what the voters weren't seeing. Uh, four punts, 51-yard average, all four inside the 20. That's what he does. Crab cakes in football is what Maryland does, supposedly. And punting the ball perfectly inside the 20 for lots of yards and not letting them return it for many yards is what Mike Dixon does also in that one. Kojo, one catch for eight yards. I think there's a direct correlation. They won a game when they threw him the ball a lot. They don't win when they don't throw him the ball a lot. A player who did get to throw the ball a lot, and maybe a lot of people didn't predict it, but Colt McCoy. Uh, We got a Colt versus Baker uh, matchup. Just two fantastically named Big 12 quarterbacks. Obviously, Colt McCoy 
utterly ridiculous and uh baker mayfield just sounds like a a fake detective in a novel um but they battled it out uh, in sunday night football uh unfortunately baker got the better of it colt though 19 for 31 for 221 and in the process broke an nfl record which we're proud for colt mccoy uh broke peyton manning's long-standing nfl record for most times yelling the word omaha in a single game gosh i don't know the only thing i can think gerald I don't know that he was adjusting it that many times for a two-yard handoff to Alfred Morris. What I think he was actually doing was winking at Texas fans and taking the opportunity to continue to troll Nebraska from the Big 12 championship game that Colt beat in Dominican Sioux, and he was yelling Omaha, Omaha, because Omaha is in Nebraska. Or he was hyping Texas baseball, one or the other. Or trying to work on that stake sponsorship. <laughs> That's smart. Colt, the, the man who brought Dunkin' Donuts to Austin, again, I don't know if folks know that, the first Dunkin' Donuts in Austin, Texas, uh, was opened by Colt McCoy and, and many after. I think he has like a dozen. It's not a donut joke. Um, but th- that man seems to me like he has a Omaha Steaks like sponsorship lined up. He's the man who is thinking about post-career and making sure he and family are taken care of. I would not at all put that past the shrewd Colt. McCoy. We won't talk about the Titans and their W because no Longhorns played for them this week. But in the Cardinals win, Jordan Hicks did have six tackles, uh, two TFLs. Uh, Chiefs Saints was a really good game as we expected. Two fun teams, uh, both interesting to watch, came together, and and some Longhorns on both. Obviously, the Saints have a have a, a pair of Longhorn interior defensive linemen. We didn't see Malcolm Brown, but Malcolm Roach had four tackles. Okafor for the Chiefs had two tackles. The, the, the name that jumps off the stat sheet, Gerald, Little Jordan Humphrey, a name we haven't got to say a lot since he, I think rightfully so, struck while the iron was hot, went to the NFL, but some combine numbers saw him go and drafted. He's been on the Saints team. He had a preseason touchdown, I believe, but his first career at counts NFL touchdown came in this one. Wasn't enough to get a victory for the Saints, but nonetheless... He's my other nominee for Longhorn of the Week because I'm really excited for Lil' Jordan Humphrey, a long time coming, one of the best and most entertaining and fun players in the last decade of Texas football, which hasn't been the brightest spot, but he certainly was one. We loved him on the 40 acres and are happy to be able to root for him on Sundays. It's good to see him. He's a guy that I think um, plays plays better than his combine numbers show, and I think it finally showed on Sunday. Love that. Yeah, he's a gamer. Get him in there. If you can put Taysom Hill at quarterback, you can put Lil' Jordan Humphrey um, at, at receiver. Come on, Saints. This is it's a no-brainer. Uh, Gerald, this is a game I think you're particularly interested in. The New England Patriots, although Adrian Phillips valiantly tried with seven tackles, one TFL, one sack, and one QB pressure getting in that backfield, though he tried to rattle Tua and the Dolphins, Gerald. They fell to your team. Gerald, what Quick, what'd you think of the Dolphins' performance this week? You also forgot that Brandon Jones forced a fumble on, with Cam Newton. You forgot that one. Ooh. I don't know if it made it on the stat sheet, but he kind of forced him out of bounds, and Cam dropped the ball. The, the uh, defense picked it up and returned it in for a jogging scoop and score. So uh, I'm loving it. Again, all of this is playing with house money because Miami – should have been probably another year out from from being competitive, and they got a shot at a at a wild card spot, and that's that's always fun. 
That's amazing. I, I'm not even a Dolphins fan, Gerald, but I'm rooting so hard for this team. It may have to do with the fact that I downloaded Madden 20 off of EA Play and my quarterback, Vince Howard, um, got drafted first by the, the Miami Dolphins. So I've been playing a lot with Coach Brian Flores and the Dolphins. Unfortunately, it's the year before, so it doesn't have Brandon Jones on that team. But uh, Vince Howard of East Dillon is, uh, is, is carrying, he played at Texas in, in this scenario, um, and is carrying the Longhorn faithful there. But six tackles and one fumble is fantastic. I can't get over how excited I am for Brandon Jones having a stellar rookie of the year. Could be uh, like a, a defensive rookie of the year, at least nominee with the way he's playing. Uh, really excited for him. Like I said, Adrian Phillips also showing out Longhorns in the secondary in that game. Uh, for the the Texans over the Colts, no stats for Marcus Johnson, but Chuck Amenahu did have a sack and a QB hit, so we're excited for the Chuckster. He's been leading the team. I think he had a, a Texans high QB hits and not in sacks, which meant he was hitting, getting, and close, but didn't turn it into sacks. So he said on this very podcast, we thought it was going to happen for him. So excited for that for Chuck. We're also excited for the many listeners on this podcast who tweet at us and are Cowboys fans, and, and maybe we said some mean things about the Cowboys. Sorry about that. But, hey, two in a row, Dallas Cowboys. About to get in the playoffs with like six wins. Maybe just never lose again and win the Super Bowl with like nine total wins. Um, so that's something. But uh, they've won two in a row. Connor Williams starting both of those. They beat Kyle Shanahan, whose 49ers are getting further from 500 now at five and nine for the Rams. Malcolm Brown, one carry, four yards, one catch, six yards. Not much there. And we will close it with the Ravens again. Begin it and end it with teams that, that won 40 points to a little. Uh, they got a big victory. Uh, Duvernay didn't record any stats in this one. Also didn't return kick, so I hope his health is okay. Deshaun Elliott had five tackles. Justin Tucker, five of five from extra points. Did miss one from the field goal today. Uh, field goal in this one, one for two after his walk-off last week. However, that miss was a 57-yarder. The guy's a ridiculous, like 86% in his career from beyond 50 yards. He's really, really good. I'm not going to be mad about missing a 57-yarder. So, Gerald, that wraps us up in the NFL. Let's get to it now. What are you watching on your giant screen? We'll now talk Godzilla-tron. Uh, so it's Christmas time in Hollis, Queens. No, but that is one of the things that I've watched is uh, Die Hard. Obviously, it's they're like the two dad Christmas movies. They're not really Christmas movies, but I'll argue that they are Christmas-ish. Uh, Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. I forgot that Lethal Weapon is super inappropriate from Jump Street. Like it's real. Like it's. <laughs> Like the first six minutes, it just they hit it hard. They hit it fast. Um, Die Hard, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's I've argued that it's probably one of the most important action movies of the last probably forty years, and I'll have that argument with a lot of people. Uh, so those are the dad Christmas movies when you have some eggnog after the kids go to sleep. Uh, but I've also been diving in. My son absolutely loves How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey version, which is always fun, and we could have some Twitter conversations about uh, what Ron Howard is trying to say with that movie, which I agree with some of. Um, and then we also Home Alone. Because Die Hard and Home Alone are basically the same movie, so I love watching both of those uh, generally right around the same time. So it's been a lot of Christmas movies for me. That's what I've been watching. That's amazing. The 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 take of Die Hard and Home Alone being the same movie makes perfect sense. I've never thought about it, but that's that's a brilliant take. Yeah, so Gerald, I also watched Die Hard this week. Um, I hadn't seen it in a while, probably a couple of years, um, but I found out my wife had never seen it. So we made a trade. I got to propose she watched Die Hard. If I watched a movie that I had somehow missed from my au revoir, au revoir, I don't know how you say it, but my my 
yeah, my uh, list of uh, of things I hadn't seen. Um, Oeuvre, I think is how you say that. Uh, but I hadn't seen The Wiz. So, Gerald, we did a, the old-fashioned uh, you-pick-one-I-pick-one swap. Um, the Wiz and Die Hard are both very long movies at clocking in over two hours. Um, I'm excited for the takes when my wife drew and, and Gerald have their kind of Christmas debrief about Die Hard. She knows it's one of Gerald's favorites. Um, my wife loves action movies. She's the, the biggest fast and the furious fan of all time, but uh, she, she had some thoughts about Die Hard. She didn't, I don't think dislike it just felt uh, could have been shortened, especially the first hour. Um, some lack of, you know, meaningful female characters and things like that. Um, but, uh, but you know, she, she, she had some thoughts, which I will love to, don't want to spoil any more love for Gerald and her to hash out uh, again over over Zoom so that there's no fist that will fly. But uh, the Wiz is good. It is it is uh, everyone should see it. It's interesting. It's a it's like a huge. We talked about musicals on our last podcast. Uh, it's a huge like Broadway uh, show that then they did the movie version that had every like major black entertainer of the the, the 70s with Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, uh, Quincy was in there and and I think produced it like just this this murderer's row, Nipsey Hussle, uh, excuse me, Russell um and uh just all of these legends and it's it's a really fun uh not much meat on that bone but it's fun and it's it's you know you can look at some ridiculous spectacles i was surprised how scary it seemed a lot of the like uh for being a movie that you imagine kids would want to watch like wizard of oz uh take which is if you're not familiar it is the basically the 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 black adaptation of wizard of oz um and uh is pretty fun like i will say it i enjoyed it I've seen some of the songs and numbers from it, but seeing Michael Jackson as a scarecrow was, uh, was funny for sure. was interesting. Some good songs, good dances, and just some ridiculous scenery visuals and things going on in there. Everyone should catch the whiz. Got to get on down the road, get on down the road. No, Drew's criticism of Die Hard is fair. Like lack of meaningful female characters. Cause it was made in 1988 and that's kind of what they yeah. did in the eighties. But there's another conversation to be had. The same thing could be said about lethal weapon, 1987 lack of meaningful female characters in that film other than, um, well, Danny Glover's damsel in distress daughter and his <laughs> wife who cooks terribly. That's the joke they make about his wife. That's the significance of his wife is that she's a terrible cook. That's yeah. the jokes they make. So again, dated movies. That movie is 33 years old, but again, I've argued that Die Hard changed the way action movies work and your fast and furious movies wouldn't happen without the way Die Hard did things. That's all we've got for That's you right. this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me. On Twitter, I'm at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer, our first, or excuse me, our final Pregamer of the year for the bowl coming out. Uh, should be out now. Make sure you check that out. Coming out soon, if not. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We've got one more show in 2020. And until then, Hope you all have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. Correct. Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy Holidays in the weirdest year collectively we've all ever had. Hopefully you are winding down, looking forward to 2021, caring for, speaking to, and sending good vibes to those you care for and finding a way through it. And we're hoping for better things in 2021 and including for Texas sports, uh, namely football. So uh, 
cheers and here's to it 2021 on the horizon we're excited but uh everyone take some time enjoy a little christmas uh whether it's eggnog or a nice ham or whatever tradition you have or can muster in this weird time be safe and enjoy